Hello, 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 and I am so very excited because this week we are going to talk about something that everybody needs, that is rich, rewarding relationships. But what does it actually take to have the best relationships? How can we avoid attracting the same people back into our lives with, you know, a different face, but like a person that we attracted years and years ago? What does it really mean to be living in the most amazing relationship where you can choose the right soulmate, and even if you feel like you have and things go off track, what does it take to get you back on track? Well, the guy I'm about to introduce to you, Wayne Brown, is the founder of getting your life back on track through your richest relationships. He has a focus on rediscovering your truest, authentic and aligned self. Now, how important is that? He's a natural born teacher. He has owned gyms. He is also a man who has ran speed dating coaching programs and has had a lot of experience in his own life. Being a natural born teacher and also a man who knows what it's like to suddenly have your identity crushed and changed overnight. He also knows what it's like to live through two broken marriages and having been the person who has gone through so much of his own transformation, read many books, has studied NLP and has really come in to this divine experience. He is going to share his wisdom. He is also gonna show you as a pioneer in the online space what it means to attract the right person, what it really takes, and how you can beat the odds of repeating those negative patterns. So with no further ado, I bring to you the amazing, the natural born teacher, the authentic Wayne Brown. How are you today, Wayne? I'm doing exceptionally well, thank you, Terry. That is fantastic. And I have to say it's like a breath of fresh air having a male on the show. So welcome. And I tell you, there's going to be a lot of guys that are like, finally, finally, we have a man. We have some manpower. Well, actually, I, you know, going back to when I first started podcasting, I really did interview a couple of magicians, like really highly articulate uh, hypnotherapists that uh, made for a, a great interview. And um, speaking of which, you know, because you're kind of almost like a pioneer in the online space, you've 
you 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 say that you often take the long way around for everything and that seems to have been up to now the story of your life so you know what I find is something like that Wayne is going to be extremely um, so beneficial for that person who doesn't want to take the long road right because yeah yeah so you know you go back to you know you go way back I think you were even in the online space before I even hit Facebook so you know what year what year was that was that 2010 or something oh yeah probably flirted with it a little before then but 2010 was probably properly getting into it yeah yeah, so I mean, you're you're a little bit of a you know veteran uh, at this, and I mean, obviously, like a lot of uh, the the gurus, I don't know whether you've ever heard of Eben Pagan, but uh, he is also works very closely with Jay Abraham, and he started out in the the speed dating, and it's interesting that a lot of the guru guys start out in the speed dating. Uh, kind of spectrum and the women quite often it's very popular that they start out in the personal training that's just something I've noticed in the the online space but you say you were always fascinated by the subconscious mind and you know you you talk about a a bit of a turning point at the age of 14 on a freezing cold day can you tell us about that Yes, certainly. Um, we had this phys ed teacher, Mr. Randall, lovely guy, English and a little bit alternative. And he introduced me to a number of different things. He was very active. And we were doing a weight session at the local rec centre. And for anyone that doesn't understand, that's a recreation centre. Uh, we tend to abbreviate in Australia. And after the weight session, it was only a light session, so we weren't sort of really working hard he said right we're going to do some meditation and of course we're all like oh he's doing that weird stuff again so we laid on the floor and it was a typical rec center where it's a concrete floor thin carpet we're wearing well I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt and we lay down on the carpet and I'm thinking this is a little bit chilly and I'm not a winter person so I'm struggling a little bit me neither says, say again me neither I hate winter <laughs> Not a fan, not a fan. <laughs> anyway, he says, right, I want you to imagine you're laying on a beach and you can feel the sun caressing your skin. You can hear the sand crunching as the people walk past. You can feel the heat radiating up from the sand. And he keeps going over and over and saying this again and again and again. And after about five minutes, I started to sweat. So this is the middle of winter. I'm not doing anything and I'm sweating. So no, I really I sort of freaked out and was like, oh, my God. So that was my first introduction to the power of the mind. So ever since then, I've just been fascinated with how we get conditioned and manipulated and programmed and misaligned and all of this sort of stuff. Mm, absolutely, 100%. And, I mean, you're definitely an expert because you've been through a lot of misalignment stuff in your life. And, you know, I always find that there's there's always that, that, that time where there's like a turning point that when you look back in your life, you'll go, oh, I remember that. And, you know, and you were somehow fascinated by it. 
And, you know, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, like you sometimes you, you can feel like your, your life is a one big mess. And I know that you've been married three times, right? So you would be definitely uh, the expert on what not to do and yeah. what to do. Um, when it comes to, you know, obviously meeting people, getting married and all that kind of jazz. So tell me something. You you said that when you were, you know, in school, you were the class clown. You know, what do you think? Because quite often they, they say that uh, clowns have got a bit of an exterior, but they're quite often hiding something. Do you feel that that was something significant to you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was terrified that people wouldn't accept me. I always felt like I was the outsider. Um, I, I had friends, but I struggled to make genuine friends, you know, ones that you can open up and be honest with. And that's more of a failing on my part than theirs because I just didn't open up much. So to compensate for that and to try to get people to like me, I used to be the class clown, so telling jokes and doing practical jokes and all of that sort of thing. So it was it kind the, of builds a wall too, doesn't it? It's it sort I of like it. a bit of a, uh, you know, like a bit of a facade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Certainly. yeah, yeah. So did I mean? And and there was a very very mysterious secret. And this is what I mean by, you know, with things that happen to people, like obviously, you know, you are the founder of the Rediscover Your Authentic Aligned Self, right? Mm -hmm. So being the founder of this incredible program for people wanting to really align with their own relationship with their self, with their dream partner. I mean, you've got a wealth of experience, but something, a landmark happened to you at the age of 17 when, I mean, for some people, this is a critical age, but it was like a, like it's, it's like a turning point, but suddenly your whole identity changed. You found out something about yourself. Uh, would you like to share that? Because that's that's a really significant event. Yeah, it's always a tricky one to explain because there's so many different perspectives on this, and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. So I remember the day very clearly. Um, with my family, there was my mother and father. I was the eldest, two sisters, and then a younger brother. And again, I always had that feeling of being the outsider, the black sheep, no one understood me. That's been a common theme throughout my life. And I was in the shed, uh, the garage, and I was doing some weights and my dad came in and I was 17. And he sits down, he says, I've got something I need to tell you. And so I thought, hang on, this feels pretty heavy. This feels like it's gonna be big. So I put my weights down because I didn't want to drop them. And I said, what's up? And he looked at me. And he said, you're adopted. And everything fell apart. I was like, holy crap. You know, so I'm like, oh, I'm adopted? I'm adopted. So all these questions started to bounce into my head. And But then, thankfully, I suppose for my dad, I noticed how terrified he looked. And he shed the first tear I'd ever seen him shed. Oh. And so I thought, you know what? He's done a pretty good job as a, as a dad. Not perfect, but he's done the best he could. So yeah. I went and sat down next to him 
put my arm over his shoulders and I said, you know what, you're still my dad. And I think that sort of comforted him. So he was all right. And after that, yeah, I had lots of questions and I found out the way that I, well, they came to adopt me. They were told they couldn't have children, so they adopted me and then they adopted my sister and then had two kids naturally. So a bit of an interesting one. Amazing. That happens. That definitely happens. Oh, it's yeah. like people people relax, you know. Suddenly they, they can't, one minute they can't have children and, you know, they'll do anything. So I call, you know, I call, there's another person in my container. She's a lady and I say, you're a chosen person. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously years on, you've kind of got like the perfect story in a way because you've actually reunited with your uh, original parents and you've got the other ones too and you kind of got that relationship there Mm. so I mean you know you've you know being a 17 year old you know young man I can only imagine what an identity crisis that would have been and Mm. one of the things I do know my my own mother actually um her mother had her when she was just 15 years old so she gave her up so my grandmother only passed away a few years ago you know so I was in my you know like in this ripe old age and I still had my grandmother um and you know she you know back in the olden days like that was just you can imagine Mm. um but you know this is the interesting part where DNA does carry and like you talk about how you had that kind of a little bit of a closed, um, closed off thing where you did the class clown thing. And then, of course, you felt like the black sheep. So it's almost like the soul knew yep. there was something different, but that's your that turns out to be your power and your glory, right? Because mm. everything, it's like that jumble mess with the jigsaw puzzle and then all of a sudden everything just lands and falls into place. So, yeah, when a person finds out something like that, where especially when they're moving into adult years, my mum was told that she was given up for adoption um, when she was 21. And she was with my father when my grandmother told her. But the fact was that in the end, just when my grandmother was going to sign over papers, she decided to marry my grandfather and they actually took back custody of my mother. So needless to say, she spent two years in an orphanage. So mum always had that feeling, those feelings of abandonment, like that, just the undergirding. I mean, my mum is like the most, she's the light of the world. You know, she's a, she's an absolute ambassador for God. She's, she's an incredible woman. Um, but she did have, uh, you know, that those kind of issues that she didn't even realise that she had. How do you think maybe that that played a part like obviously because you're working with people you're obviously specializing in relationships you know what happens in a breakdown and you know what happens when they come together how do you think uh, a person's identity shapes 
uh, maybe the wrong patterns of meeting. I, I never say the wrong people because you know yourself, you learn from everyone, right? Exactly. But, yeah, what do you see as being some of the biggest learning curves for you that played out in your first two marriages that maybe looking back you can see how you'd kind of that pattern was playing out what are some of the things that you discovered oh wow there's a few things that I suppose you could say dragged me off course or dragged me down whichever sort of analogy you want to use probably the first one was atypical of men we get taught to shut off emotions so um a lot of our negative emotions in inverted commas get suppressed so that when they do get uh, expressed they tend to be more volatile so things like that um, I wasn't good at um, I wasn't very good at explaining how I felt so for me that was a big one realizing how I'd ignored part of me like a good part of my masculinity that was a, a big epiphany uh, another one was we always attract into our life the exact person we need to have for who we are at that moment. Because you meet someone and you think, oh, this is fantastic. And then five years down the track, you go, oh, they're horrible. No, you still need that person because they've got a lesson. So for both of my wives, the first one was a mild form. The second one was uh, an extreme form of what I needed. So when I finally got that lesson, yeah, it was an absolute blessing. She went mm. from a very negative, volatile, insecure, jealous person to the best thing to ever happen to me. Wow. So what are you telling other people when they're either in the early stages of their relationship, um, what they're looking for, or even people that are a little bit further on down the track and they're obviously having some problems um, because obviously um, when we are attracting these people into our life as mm -hmm. the greatest teachers, what is one of the biggest, I guess, points that you will always say to two people that are wanting to either get together or that are wanting to really reshape their relationship? Well, it's funny because I was talking to some people a little while ago and they asked me to condense relationships. You know, they always go, oh, the one big secret to relationships or the three secrets to a successful relationship. For me, this is the key. When you're in a relationship, it's always about you. That person just brings lessons and opportunities so that you can become that better version of you. So if they're the right partner, you're allowed to grow, you're encouraged, you're nurtured, and you grow like a, a beautiful green plant. If you want to be stubborn, they will bring the challenges, the obstacles, until you get that lesson and then you can start to grow. So that's the big one. And then when you're dating, all you're doing is looking for the right person for you to be that little green plant to grow into this magnificent specimen of a, a plant. So that's basically yeah. relationships in a nutshell. You attract the person you need, not what you want. 
Yes, absolutely. And do you feel that if you uh, attracted someone, because one of the biggest things that happen with relationships, you would know this, is that we tend to attract uh, codependently. So there's a dependency where it's like the, the shadow meeting the shadow when there's that, you know, and then two people are feeding each other now you know what happens like it's when you first fall in love with someone and there's all this dopamine that's just running through the body and you're madly in love and there's nothing i mean i love what dr john d martini says he says everything's like sugar and honey and sweet and coming out of this end and he says five that's years it. later everything's out the other side you know? that's like, it. That's it. you're suddenly seeing all the the things that you hate um so what happens when two people do marry uh, because they're attracted maybe to their biggest teacher, uh, is there is there any hope for them in that case, or you know do they grow apart? Is there what what do you think when two people have literally come together because of codependency, and it's been very very unhealthy? Is there any hope for them? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was contacted um, a couple of years ago by a couple I met in the Gold Coast uh, and they contacted me and said, um, we're asking you for help because we know you'd be able to do this. We're about to break up. We love each other. We don't want to break up. Can you help? And I said, sure. So we did a number of calls and I led them through some information, a couple of processes. And four months later, they proposed and got married six months later. So wow. absolutely, you, the, it all comes down to basically, do they want to fix it? So if they both want yeah. to fix it, yes, it's easy. Mm. Because, I mean, I often say to people, uh, if you run away, guess what? You're going to take yourself with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just keep that in mind, right? You you can't get away from number one, numo uno. So obviously, now when looking back, what what do you think was the you know the real rock solid foundation elements that you were doing with that couple that really you know brought them together and and helped them to kind of I don't know come come together in that amicable. Um, way that they could get married and fall back in love with each other? Well, I took them through some basic tenets of a relationship in, in as much as every interaction is an opportunity to grow. I showed them how to deal with conflict effectively so that they could use it to grow rather than create tension with themselves. And it was only afterwards because I'm like yourself and quite a number of other people where we'll channel, we'll stay stuff say stuff without thinking about it and then later on we're mm. like where did that come from and they said to me at the end there's something you kept saying which has really altered how we deal with each other and you kept saying be gentle with each other be gentle with each other because you're both trying mm. so for them that was a big one I think that was probably what they needed to hear which is why I kept saying it you know, so if they stuff up, be gentle with them. You know, they're still trying. Be gentle with them. Be gentle with yourself. So mm. I think that's one too. You know, we're all human. We do the best we can. You make a mistake. You get back on the horse. You keep going. 
Yeah, yeah. And look, I, it wouldn't be fair to my audience if I didn't touch on the speed dating side, because obviously, uh, you th this is where your foundations are, right? The, the yeah. speed dating. And, you know, so that probably is something that you do while you're asleep, but you are the founder of Rediscover Your Authentic Aligned Self. So obviously, we'll get further into that and what it means to become a divine aligned congruent person and how that really helps uh, with the relationship with self and partner but let's just go back to the, the the speed dating for a moment and I know you had a gig the other night so tell me like there's so many people especially women I, I mean obviously I've got women friends who are really desperate to meet Mr. Wright. And they want to know, like, you know, how's it going to happen? And, uh, you know, they go on Tinder, they go, they do all the typical things that, you know, what the whole world is doing now, which is just, you know, the advanced technology of now meeting people. But I remember saying to someone, look, don't treat it like a, a, a job interview, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but when two people, I'm, I'm, I really am curious to, to know this question. I've, I've never been in this position, but for the sake of a lot of my girlfriends, if two people are looking for each other and or they're looking for someone, the right person, and then they kind of meet, how do you, what do you suggest that should meet that meeting should look like how um how do you kind of like facilitate that like i know some people think it's a job interview others might think it's just a nice little chat i, I just got to say this one more thing before you answer but i actually had another girlfriend um and she called me up and she said not called me but she she contacted me on facebook and she said i believe you know this person and i said oh yes yes and um she asked me for my opinion i said great you know from what I, everything i know really nice guy so that was that and that off they went on a date and then I bumped into her and I said, oh, how did that go? She went, oh, terrible. And I went, oh, okay, what happened? And she said, well, you know, um, I found out that he's not interested in getting married. And I went, on the first meeting. Like she couldn't see this. I'm deadly serious, right? I am deadly serious. But do, do you think that if women are wearing a desperation sign, that's got to be like a big deterrent anyway absolutely but, yeah. the, the energy of your intention broadcasts exactly how you're going to be received um there's a few stories i could tell here so you, you're saying what the first interaction should look like mm, so before yeah. i met my wife i sat down and i reverse engineered a successful relationship so i looked at all the studies and the things that determine what is a successful relationship. And I took it step by step backwards to where I was. So I knew the path to follow to get to the person I would need to be with. And a lot of the challenges that people give themselves is they think the relationship's all about the other person. So they're looking for this person to make them complete, to make them happy and all of this sort of stuff. And that's too big a pressure. You're looking for someone who will challenge you to be the best version of you. 
That's it. End of story. So when I did that, I was like, okay, who would my ideal partner look like? So what do I want? Want's easy. I want him to be this tall, this color hair. I want him to like playing golf or whatever. But the hard bit is what do I need? I need someone that's going to hold me accountable. I'm going to hold someone that's going to make me true to my word, that's going to challenge me. So all of these things, and they're the things that are unpleasant to face because it means we've got to face up to truths of our, within ourselves, which is where our misalignment comes in. So I created my little system, went out, and I went from being someone who was shy and reserved and terrified to approach women. And in seven weeks, I spoke to over 170 women so just so I could get comfortable talking to women. So I was talking to all women. It didn't matter. And I got so comfortable with it and hit my groove so well. I was so relaxed. I was being authentically me. When my wife came in and sat down next to me, well, she wasn't my wife at the time. When she sat next to me, I went, well, she's cute. Then I asked her some questions, which I'd pre-formulated, and I went, this is looking good. Found out we had a similar sense of humour. Went on a date a couple of weeks later, and that was it. So a first date, all your questions you ask should be based around your relationship values, your deal breakers, what you need in a partner. I had a chap at the mm-hmm. speed dating last night say to me, well, what were yours? And I said, well, first of all, she's got to be willing to grow. She's got to be willing to be responsible and accept her actions and all of this sort of thing. Second, she's got to be curious. She's got to be curious about the world. She's got to be curious about other people. She's got to be curious about me. And she's also got to be honest in as much as if I ask for her opinion, she's comfortable enough to give me an honest answer. Mm. That becomes a, a reflection of the quality of the relationship. So all my questions were based around that, and that's what I help people do, find out what all their values are, their deal breakers, and then we work out qualifying questions, which are just, they sound natural because they're a part of the conversation, like, oh, I was watching this show the other night and blah, 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 and you base your question around this show. And that's how you find out what sort of people they're like. And you can learn about people very, very quickly. That's really interesting, you know. Um, It just kind of made me think, as you were saying that, um, that it's good to find out the deal-breaker thing. Mm. And maybe my friend had a valid point then because if the guy said, I'm never going to get married again, and that was something that was a huge value to her, I guess maybe that could be seen as a deal breaker. But in my mind, I was, because remember, this is not my niche, right? I mean, my sister makes a joke that I haven't been single since I was 14. (laughs) So, um, you know, like, uh, really, it's not my niche. So, you know, in my mind, I thought to myself, oh, the thought of having a discussion with someone on the first date and Mm. Just, you know, discussing something so, um, you know, ready to lock the other one in is, Mm -hmm. to me, I would have thought was a huge turnoff. Um, But I suppose, you know, yeah, it can be. So I I suppose with the whole Tinder thing and speed dating, um, 
what is there a kind of a, a little bit of a, a protocol like do people have uh is there a little bit of an expectation around that protocol of what does actually happen absolutely i'm i try to ward people away from apps websites all of that thing i mean i did all of it i did the apps i did websites i did matchmaking services i did all of it to try and find a partner um in person's always best because you can get a read for the person you can watch body language energies all of that sort of thing the there's no protocol per se however there's certain things you should always bear in mind treat the person with respect treat them with courtesy and don't expect anything because you get some people like oh we're going on a first date well at the end of the date we're gonna no we're not it's if you're going in with that expectation you're going to fall on your face so a date is just an opportunity to get to know someone so if you want to call out a protocol yeah okay that's a protocol Treat them with mm. decency, get to know them. Get curious. Like your friend, instead of going, oh, deal breaker, she could have gone, okay, so what's your reasoning behind that? And he could have gone, well, it was so painful, so traumatic, it drained me so much, I don't know if I could risk that again. Mm. That sounds reasonable to me. That's not a deal breaker. Yeah. And, I mean, how many people are desperate a little bit desperate like I know oh, right. I, I, I can see that see it and I think it's like a dog a dog can always smell fear and will always yeah. be attracted to the one that doesn't want anything to do with them but it's yeah. almost I can remember going into a club one night and I was with uh, two girlfriends and we were standing up on this step. I was only young at the time. I was about 25, 26. So I just got married. And this guy comes up and he goes, excuse me, can I just say something? Sure. Yeah, we all had a drink in our hand. I'm standing in the middle. I've got two girls on either side. He said, single, single, married. <laughs> Like he knew, he picked it. But one of the girls, she was literally like this. She was in the club and she was looking (laughs) like this. And, you know, it leads me to saying, well, you know, what if people kind of stepped back a little bit and, you know, began looking at it from a case of instead of being desperate, um, what about if you were... You know, like you you held a sense, which I'm sure you're going to unravel for us too, you held a sense of your own worth, how mm. good you are Absolutely. and the fact that you're not uh, prepared to just go for any old person um, but sort of like almost uh, putting your price up, if you will. Yeah. But talk to me about what it means for a person to rediscover the, their authentic self because obviously you've gone through a lot of stuff in your life that's shaped um you know your obviously your value on that i always say a person's genius zone is something that is 
has come under attack in them, like mm -hmm. it's something that they have deeply um, been, you know, in that kind of position where they're almost, I call it the guru, and I know uh, listeners would have heard this before, but the guru is actually the, like a, a, a tiger, angry, but it sort of gets under your skin. It's what affects you, but G stands for gold. It's like it turns into your gold nugget. And then, of course, R is recognising like, oh, recognising that this has got to change. And then the next R is releasing and actually letting it go. But you can't let anything go as you know yourself, Wayne, without first learning, right? And mm -hmm. then that's when the last R is revolutionising. Can you talk me through you know, your own experience of obviously you be an expert on this, of what it was like to not be that aligned person and how it impacted your life and obviously what it's meant for you to literally completely do that whole uh, shift and massive change into rediscovering your authentic and aligned self. Can you talk us through so our listeners can understand what that looks like and, you know, what your philosophy is? Sure. So as I mentioned earlier about the common problem with men, and I don't like the phrase toxic masculinity, and people bandy that around like it's a bad thing. For me, I feel it's incomplete masculinity. It's wounded masculinity. It's ineffective masculinity. And that's what I had. So I had not bad role modelling, but incomplete role modelling. I had wounded modelling. I had messaging given to me by media, by peer groups and everything that was wounded and incomplete. So by the time I became an adult and was seeking partners, I was going in with that wounded attitude to the point where I was a doormat. I didn't stand up for myself. I had no strength. I had no confidence. So I was a poor quality partner. And as such, I attracted a poor quality partner who would challenge me to step up and become that better version of me. And that's who my second wife turned out to be, the one that was really grabbing me by the scruff of the shirt and going, when are you going to step up? And I had completed a men's weekend, one of these warrior training things. And one of the processes was afterwards, I had weekly gatherings. And I was doing this process and one of the chaps, wonderfully astute, he could see changes in your breathing, changing in your posture. So he knew something was moving and he'd pounce on it. And I was doing a process with him and he pounced on me and he gave me this question and I went, oh my God, I finally got the lesson she'd been trying to give me, which was, when are you going to step up and be a proper man? When are you going to take back into you your power, your confidence, your ability, your strength, your groundedness, all of these things that make men wonderful? So. I started working on myself. Uh, my next relationship started well. It was a big jump up and it started to go downhill because I was allowing these habits to come back in. I was allowing my misalignment to drag me back off course. So that's when mm -hmm. I 
sort of rebooted all my info and stepped back into my power and that's where I've been ever since. So my wife, lucky her, gets a man who's confident, he's willing to take charge, he can make decisions, uh, he'll protect her with his life. All He's got all of the things that a man should have. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, I'm still working on myself. However, compared to where I was 10, 20 years ago, vastly different. Mm, yes, I hear. And it sounds like that first original younger man that was the doormat was really trying to please, was really yes. trying to, you know, be that person. But obviously that's where people are not really being true. So it's like they're not being true to themselves. So it's almost like an eruptive volcano, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, they say one of the biggest things that actually happens is resentment. Yep. You know, when people start to, and this is, it's not anybody else's fault. That's the thing, right? Like, I love the fact that you've totally owned everything and you've even looked at, you know, the the biggest, uh, hardest relationship as your greatest mm -hmm. learning and your biggest teaching. And I absolutely love that. Um, but it sounds like, you know, you went from the depths of despair and you obviously found that being the doormat and in the initial parts of your life, a lot of anger and frustration would come out. And yep. you were you know, telling me earlier on about the endless perpetual frustration yeah. and just thinking it's just too hard. So when you moved into that world of self-empowerment where you were able to really take your power back and, you know, just really bring it into your, your hands, what do you reckon was, you know, there's not always a turning point um, some people say it's a collection of a few things, but is there something that, you know, like I always say, there you are on one side of the bridge when you're doing all of that uh, perpetual anger and frustration and then here you are owning your power on the other side. What do you believe was the bridge that helped you to get across that you're teaching other people like maybe the biggest uh healing that you you know yourself experienced can you talk me through uh the way you healed and what you had to face mm, very good question very good question i tend to think of it as what malcolm gladwell calls the tipping point and that's where you keep putting effort in, you keep putting effort in, you keep putting effort in, you don't see much in the way of results, and then suddenly there's enough information there, enough effort, and everything suddenly goes click and all falls into place, and suddenly it's like, oh, here we are. So I think it was probably more of that sort of scenario where I was reading book after book and listening to CDs endlessly as I drove in my car, pounding information into my head, and I was reading like three books a week and listening to CDs whenever I was in the car or watching DVDs at home. So I was inundating myself with information. Some really good stuff, a lot of stuff that yeah, wasn't that crash. 
So I think at some point enough of it sort of lined up that I went, right, okay, now I know what I've got to do. And one of the big ones was, as you said, taking responsibility. So instead of blaming everyone else, and I think it was Jim Rowan I first heard mention it, he said when you stop being a victim, having the victim mentality and you move to a victor mentality. So that was probably my first encounter with that. And then I realised that, yes, I was definitely a victim. How do I move to the victor? And it was taking responsibility for yourself, making decisions, weighing up a decision and going with it. Don't sit there and go, oh, maybe should I not? Make it and go with it. So mm. that was more of a tipping point than anything. So yeah. if wants to take anything away from that, keep working at it because at some point it'll all fall into place and you'll suddenly like magic go, oh, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love the fact that you've got this beautiful pathway where people can come to you whether they are at the start where they're wanting to, to meet their ideal match and obviously you can help them to really make sure that uh, like we'll never be perfect, let's face it, you and I both know that. But, you know, obviously the alignment and really becoming true to themselves, you know, I'm sure that is the the one key that I'm really hearing mm -hmm. that you are, you're giving to people and that's the yeah. key to, to their alignment, right? Yeah. But I love too that you are taking them through, you're meeting them where they're at. So whether they are someone looking for Mr or Mrs Wright or whether they are in a relationship and they're battling and struggling and really wanting to, you know, bring things together right through to even um, falling in love with themselves and learning to like their own company. But you also have a background in my favourite thing in the world, which is neuro-linguistic programming. And I know that the parts integration is certainly a, a, a big thing for you um, because, you know, let's face it, everybody that's looking for the right coach is somewhere in their life right now, correct? True. And they actually want to be somewhere different. And the fact is that, you know, between where they are and where they want to go, I love that this is one of your specialties and, you know, something that you were very, very partial to because it deals so much with internal conflict and the inner voice because, Let's face it, it's the inner voice that's that sabotages, right? Absolutely. And so I love that. So obviously now that you're helping people to align with their highest version of themselves, um, you know, tell me about, you know, one of your biggest breakthroughs with a client and what you've seen happening for them maybe when they've been in that situation wow. 
and you've helped them to move to this place of where you are so passionate. Wow. Jeez, you sprung that one on me. I didn't have a chance to think about that one. I have had a number of things where, and probably the most satisfying thing for me is when I'm coaching someone and you see the light bulb turn on because they finally get it and it's like that tipping point. All the information suddenly all clatters into place and they go, oh, now I know what you're talking about. And then you know you're going to be fine. You know, you're going to be good. All you got to do is just keep going. You'll be fine. So they're the moments I love. I remember one a number of years ago. I had a lady who was having troubles with her son. And she said to me, how do I deal with it? I'm a single mum. He won't clean up his room. He's argumentative. He won't take his medication. It just worries me. And I said, the problem is you're speaking to him as a woman. She goes, what? What do you mean? I said, but you're speaking as a woman, as a woman would speak to a woman. But you're speaking to a young man. He's not hearing what you're saying. You need to say it in a different way. And I very quickly coached on how to do that. And about three weeks later, I ran into her and said, how are you going with your son? Oh, he's not arguing anymore. He's cleaning his room. He's taking his medication because he was hearing what she was saying. So, wow. And that's, for me, that was a big one, was hearing the voice in my head and knowing where it came from. What was my voice? And what was the voice of other people? You know, the little voice that goes, you can't do that. You'll never amount to much. All those sorts of little voices that we get given. So that's where the alignment came from. You've got to deal with that voice so you can get back to being true to yourself. Mm. And because you've got that, you know, that advantage as well of that biohacking modality to take people there very fast, um, it just makes it, you know, extra powerful. So let's go through, you know, some of the, the elements like the modules that, that obviously uh, people can choose to do in your program, whether they are, you know, people are just moving through until then just going up to that highest level or whether they're just choosing. But let's go with number one because this was, you know, obviously a very important part for you and I think a lot of people need to hear this. Setting boundaries to elevate into your higher self. Can you talk me through uh what is so important about boundaries and and what you see typically happening cool so again boundaries are part of the alignment process because when you fail to set boundaries you are saying that everything else is more important than me than myself so therefore i don't have worth i don't have value i'm not worth listening to the moment you set boundaries people become very aware of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, what they can work with, what they can't work with. And I just had a memory pop in. My best lesson of this was from my mother growing up. Um, and I know I'm deviating slightly. I will come back to this. And we used to sit in the kitchen, us children, sit at the kitchen table, and mum and dad would sit in the lounge room having dinner. And I would have been around that 16 mark. And suddenly we hear this voice, why don't you, why don't you just F off, Daryl? And we were like, because we never heard mum swear. So we knew that a line had been crossed, a boundary had been pushed. And that's where I first mm -hmm. learned that one. It was like, 
Oh, okay. Mum had a very clear boundary there, obviously. So for me, when I became able to set those boundaries firmly, it was a lot easier for me to step into my power because it was a, no, I'm not doing that. Or yes, I'm happy to do that as long as it doesn't take away from me. So once I became clear, then I was announcing to everyone, I'm worthy, I have value, I am worth listening to. And that's when I was able to step into my power and become that authentic version of myself. Mm, absolutely. Do you know they even say boundaries are a very, very powerful and very relevant part of wealth as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So people, you look at wealthy, rich, very well-to-do successful people, they have good boundaries because you can't, if you've got people running over your boundaries and you're just like a feather in the wind, you know, uh, it makes sense really. And also I think um, there's that like with children, quite often you'll see a child pushing the boundary, pushing, 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 because they want to know where it is. They exactly. want to they want to feel safe. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I think this is something that obviously in your class of you teaching this and, and really opening that up for people, that is going to be, you know, very, very powerful, not yeah. just for their, you know, their significant other but their children their family their community their workplace their wealth everything absolutely yeah and of course uh, the the next part of your what you teach is about rediscovering the gold from within so with with people rediscovering or finding their gold you know what's happened why why is it been hiding Have you ever met someone who does something so effortlessly you think, oh, I could do that, and then you try it and you're all thumbs and you make a complete hash of it? And that could be (laughs) they could be doing something crafty, they could be an organiser, that could be anything, a handyman, but they just they make it look so damn easy. That's their gift. That's the value they bring. So Here's an example. You've heard of the love languages, okay? So one of mine is acts of service. I love making my wife a cup of coffee in the morning. I get satisfaction out of it, and all she's got to do is go, thank you, dear, thank you, babe. And then I feel, oh, I'm worth something. So I bring my value to her. She acknowledges that. Everyone's happy. And it's that same sort of, I just do it naturally. I don't think about it. So we all have these things that we do easily, hundreds of things. We don't even notice them because we do them so easy. Other people are the ones that go, oh, my God, you're so good at X. And we go, oh, no, it's nothing. No, 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 you should acknowledge it because that's your goal. That's your value. That's what you bring to the world that the world goes, oh, my God, they're amazing. So unless you acknowledge it, you can't own it, therefore you can't broadcast it. 
Mm, because I guess it makes sense when you think about it. Like, I don't know whether you've ever heard my story. I was sacked from eight jobs in a row. I was good at that. <laughs> but it's it's just purely because I was going into the wrong workplaces and I'm basically unemployable anyway until <laughs> I accidentally rolled up in a shoe shop where I didn't realise it, but I just killed it with selling shoes. And I I had all the bosses around, come and listen to this girl, listen to her talk. And I'm like, what are they doing? And I, I just thought it was normal. You know, I had a very low self-esteem, as you can imagine, by that stage. Mm. But, you know, I thought it was normal that just talking to people and helping them find what exactly what they wanted. So, you know, and so, you know, how many people do we know that sometimes I've even got a friend who I'll say to her, this is honestly your zone of genius and she doesn't even want to know about it. Like, Mm. I'm not even joking. She she almost repels it. Like, you know, I think because you think you undermine yourself maybe maybe people are undermining them their own gift because they think everybody else is the same but like you say they're not so acknowledging it so obviously that's something that you're bringing out in your in your course and through that program and what do you reckon happens to these people when they're discovering? Like, obviously, you, you've got it here. I've got it written down. The innate gift within through their hidden talents that you haven't recognised about yourself but are going to fan into flames. So, you know, what what happens to a person when they suddenly realise, hang on a minute, not everybody can do this. No, it's not something that is easy for everybody else. What what shifts do you think it makes in a human when they do recognise their own gold? When we're younger, we're taught that it's egotistical to big note yourself. You know, it puts other people down. So we're taught to always play ourselves down. Then when we become adults, we get given a compliment and that's when we do the, oh, it's nothing. No, we should practice doing that. So the first thing I encounter when I'm saying to people, oh, you've got this, you've got this, you've got this. No, 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 no. And they're trying to disown it. They're trying to push it back. They're They're saying, that's not me. And what I find is you keep pushing it towards them with all the evidence, all the um, statements that show that it's true. And then at some point, it's almost like they pop and everything just goes into them and they go, oh, yeah, I am amazing. So it, it is fun to watch when they, you see the light eyes turn on and they go, oh, my God, my God, I am amazing. And we all are. We just don't realise it. Yeah, people, people do come to life. You know, I think Anthony Robbins says it very well. You know, if someone goes to him and says, I need you to give me some motivation, you can't give anyone motivation, right? Exactly, exactly. However, you can inspire because inspire, though, mind you, is in spirit. So obviously when you're inspiring them through your course to find their inner gold, 
obviously that's when you know they wake up it's 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 like a, a big awakening so that that was very interesting to me also um your teaching on the intimate relationship the life force to fabulous all-round relationships and you talk about intimacy not necessarily what happens you know sexually but intimately between people why is this so important another good question terry you're you're good at this <laughs> <laughs> oh yes absolutely okay. i want to i want to pull it all out of you so our listeners can go wow i good. just I like got so much challenged. out of this i like being challenged it's good so a lot of people confuse sexual intercourse with intimacy they are very different beasts one is a purely physical act the other one involves the physical act emotions connection vulnerability honesty so many different facets that gives it an immense depth and width that once you've experienced that you don't want to go back to the other one so intimacy I think you might have heard the phrase where they break it down to into me see. So intimacy wow, into love me it. see. And that's what it is. It's basically saying this is me in all my glory. This is what you get. And then your partner has that opportunity to say namaste, I see the God in you and I honour it with the God in, my, in myself. And it's that next level connection so you hear about people with tantra and doing all of that sort of thing it's the connecting on a so much deeper level mm, absolutely and i mean that's such a more permanent and profound and pervasive thing yep. um that that everyone can have so i love yes. that and obviously we've covered well of your module that you have you really go deep into divine alignment and dealing with conflict resolution i mean does that ever get spicy like when you are dealing with two people that are going through a lot of conflict god this is almost going to be boring now um my second wife and i depending on which way you want to look at it. We were really good at conflict in as much as we had lots of it, so lots of yelling and screaming and tension and all of that, or we were really crap at it. In other words, nothing was ever resolved or finalised. So yeah. depending on which way you want to look at it. So what I realised is I looked back on that, pulled it all apart, and I created a 15-step process of how to deal with conflict. And the interesting thing when I finished was the first 13 steps all take place in here. The other person's not even involved. And then you get to the end and you go, do I need to involve them? No, don't need to say a thing. Do I need to involve them? Yeah, I want them to know. So then you tell them, that's it. It's end of story. So conflict goes from something that's potentially very stressful, damaging, and all of this to something that takes about two minutes. Wow. Mm. 
that's pretty that is pretty awesome well you know what can i say like if uh obviously there's people out there and i know there's a lot and i mean let's face it relationships are everything that's it's it's what makes the world go round Absolutely. so is there is there any last words you would want to share um to our listeners because obviously what we're going to do is we're going to put your link here so if you are wanting to jump on board with Wayne and have a chat he will have a chat with you and take you through this program and meet you where you're at is there any last words that you would like to share before we we you know stop extracting all of this information which has been just so interesting out of you Okay, I've, in the process of doing all my learning, I've been and watched many people talk, Jim Rowan, Dr. John Martini, so heaps and heaps of people, and they all say one little thing that you go, that's a good thing to take away, even if I forget all the rest of it. And one that they all seem to say, which I think is important to remember, anyone that is teaching coaching, lecturing, guiding, whatever it is, is no different to the person that is struggling. We're not special. We're not superhuman. We've just figured out a few things that help get a result. So if we can do it, you can do it. And the good thing is, because we've worked out systems and steps and how to get around obstacles and challenges, you get there a lot faster than what we did. So that's probably what I'd leave with people is if we can do it, you can do it and faster. Mm, I love that. And you're so humble. And I think that that is why you attract so many people. Um, and, you know, I do agree when someone has walked the the walk and they're talking the talk and they've been through it all and they know what it's like to start off with that identity crisis which is one of the biggest things um and have so much inner conflict and go through because obviously you've shared that you're an introvert too in yep. many ways and and have a shy side to you so mm -hmm. the fact that you have you know overcome that you've got you've developed this program out of the passion the learning the the many books that you've read the many programs and investments that you have um, put yourself into and you know so this is just such an incredible gift for anyone out there that is truly wanting to come in and rediscover your divine aligned truer self so i just want to thank you so much wayne and um until we meet again i'll see you soon thank you very much terry it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you for listening to our show and if you want to know how to tap into your zone of genius or if you have a gift that you want to platform to the world, go to my website terrymessenger.com and where it says Elite Crown Master Key, click on book a free discovery session and we will map out your road to success.